You're listening to All The Best. I'm Danny Stewart. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders, past and present, as well as recognize that the area where FBI radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. With Tasmanian tiger cloning and space junk landing on sheep farms, it sure feels like we're ebbing closer and closer to a dystopian sci-fi reality. So this week, we're bringing you a whole episode of surrealist audio fiction. In our first story, a couple of podcasting film bros find an interesting projector in their backyard. And a heads up that this story has some swears. My name is Cyber Queen Elizabeth II Hundred. I have arisen from my cryogenic slumber to tell you a very important story about our saviour, Tim. Tim and Nick were two bros. After a few of their friends said that they were kind of funny, they decided to start a podcast, which is just a primitive version of a cybercast. They reviewed many two-dimensional films on this podcast and it was only after three entire episodes that they encountered their first holographic film. But this was no ordinary hollow film. This one was directed by dolphins. You recording? <clears throat> and we're good to go. Hello and welcome to the Tutti Fruity Fresh and Movie Podcast. So usually we have Tim and I are up here at the table goofing around talking about movies, but this week is a little special. We have a guest on. Well, actually two guests on the show today, and because we only have two mics on the show, we don't usually expect guests. So for the rest of this, Tim is going to be off mic on drinks duty. Sorry, mate. Apologies to all five of our Tim fans that leave comments. Our guests are Dr. Alex Seamson, Professor of Biotechnoarchaeology at the University of Sydney and via Zoom from the future, Mr. <laughs> Am I pronouncing that right? It is actually I'm sorry. I'm such a fucking philistine when it comes to tricky names. Dr. Seamson, we'll start with you, I guess. Um, did you like the movie? How many stars would you give it out of five? Boys, I don't know how you found this artifact, but... When you contacted me, you said you'd hand it over to me and that'd be it. You said nothing about a podcast. Oi, Tim, where'd you find that thing again? But like, where in the backyard? Oh yeah, and I should explain to our listeners, we usually encourage you guys to watch the movie with us at home, but since this one's 
a little bit inaccessible. We're watching it on a weird projector thingy we found in the asbestos shed in our backyard. Kind of looks like a big metallic walnut with bleeps and bloops, and it casts the movie all around the room. So unless you happen to find uh, one of those in your backyard, you'll just have to take our word for it. Boys, I'm serious. You don't know what this device is. I suggest you hand it over to me to study in the safety of the lab. What do you think would happen if you, say, accidentally spilled your drink on it? How could you forgive yourself if that happened? I'd give it a solid four stars. I'd have given it five, but the immersive 3D made my stomach queasy. I had the same complaint when we rewatched Avatar. Tim didn't have the same problem, so he gave it, uh, would you give it a 4.5? But apart from that minor complaint, I thought it was just incredible, really. I'm sorry, but I'm not okay with this being recorded. When we talked earlier, I emphasized the importance of two things, the safety of the artifact and for nothing of our interaction to be disclosed. Did I not? But I come here and what do I see? You've thrown the artifact onto the table like sun. Before we continue, I'd just like to thank our sponsor for today, Green Grin Paper Straws. Have you ever wanted to save the planet? Well, now you can with Green Grin Paper Straws. That's right, Nick. Green Grin Paper Straws are made from 100% discarded salads, which means that each one has a distinct aftertaste of the salad that went into it. Yep, <clears throat> mine, for example, has the refreshing flavour of Caesar salad. And what's even better is that each straw fully disintegrates in your drink so that nothing goes to landfill. Plus, with every purchase, Green Grin will donate one straw to an impoverished country in need of straws. That is very generous of them. So go to greengrin.com forward slash fruity films for 10% off a 12-month subscription to Planet Saving Straws delivered right to your door. Please go and support them so that we can afford more mics. Thank you to Green Grin. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back here with our two guests, Dr. Seamson and the director of this amazing movie. You know, Mr. I'm a bit of a softie myself. I literally cried in the last... The, in the latest, I should say, Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> hey, I, look, I hate to see a pretty car smashed, all right? It upset me as a kid when other kids would mistreat my Hot Wheels and it upsets me as an adult. So it doesn't say much when I cry during a movie, but Tim, this absolute office cubicle of a man, this absolute Easter Island stone-headed man actually cried during your movie. It is good and also funny that you make water from your eyes. Tell me about it. I was making an ocean under my shoes. I mean, that scene with a baby blue whale lets go of its mother's fin and falls into a hydrothermal vent. And all the while, the mother looks on in despair. It just... How could you not? Tim, play the audio clip. <coughs> Mr... Director, did you consider humans' emotional temperament when directing this film, or did it just so happen that we both laugh and cry at the same things? It's funny that you mentioned the scene with the whale youngling. Given how there's some million years between us, I was frankly skeptical that that scene would translate for humans. But what you've shown me is that comedy transcends species. Hey, Tim, would you, um, would you get us some beers? The doc seems a little bit on edge. Yeah, yeah, fuck it, bring out the fancy beers. Uh, so, Mr. Director, did you take any inspiration from Spielberg when making this movie? I'm specifically thinking of Saving Private Ryan or... um, What's his face? Lars von Trier. 
Yeah, here's movies, because some of those scenes were pretty gruesome, not going to lie. I don't know who those apes are, but the only human films that I managed to find were Death Comes From The Sea and... Oh, oh, the interspecies translator is messing up. Just a sec. James going to try to fix it. Okay, can you hear us? Yeah, should be fine now. Like making a movie for sardines, which at first I found frustrating, but as soon as I embraced this constraint, my creativity flourished. Right, so my next question is, what are you planning next? I've been approached by the Dolphin Reef Liberation Army to document their next excursion. I was a bit hesitant at first. It seemed like such an oceanic task. I felt I couldn't do their good work justice. But they insisted that given my accurate depiction of the whale liberation, I was the only one suitable for the job. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Just chuck another one of your shiny walnuts in our backyard and we'll review it. I won't bother with that. You'll get to see the making firsthand. Even my own mother has to pay for tickets. Consider yourselves lucky. What do you mean we'll see it firsthand? The next operation is to your epoch. Rejoice! So what, like, you're gonna invade us or something? Like you did with those whales in the movie? Shit, Tim, I think they're gonna invade us. Oh, that's just a bummer. This is not the expression I was hoping to capture for my film. Dr. Alex Simpson, if these young males are exemplary of all humans, their expression isn't encouraging. You told me that news of the liberation would be met with universal cheer. What am I going to use to begin the film? No, no, mister. I promise these men are, they're truly exceptional. The rest of humanity will embrace the change with open fins. Okay, now boys. Oh my god. Oh, you've fucked us. You've absolutely fucked us, Doc. They're going to come here with the, their laser thingies and kill us. Like, Mr. Director, sir, why are you even doing this? Is it to get back at us for climate change or stuffing your blowholes with plastic? It's pretty shit what we're doing, I'll give you that. But the punishment is a little bit disproportionate, you know? Punishment? No, you are misunderstanding. This is a tender expression of gratitude. Without you humans dumping plastic on us, we would still be rubbing our noses on the seabed looking for krill to eat. By defiling the ocean, you pushed us to use our brains. And now that we have surpassed you, we want to return the favor by lifting you from your stupor and pulling you into the future. Picture it. Ape and dolphin, swimming side by side, sharing a laugh. Haha, over some yummy jellyfish. But we can't eat jellyfish. Oh no, it's worse than I expected. You poor things are deprived of even the simple pleasure of eating jellyfish. But do not worry. Soon we will restore your freedom and your right to eat as many jellyfish as you like. <laughs> I don't want to eat jellyfish. Oh, don't cry, mate. I'm sure the jellyfish tastes fine once you try and batter it, fry it. It'll be fine. <laughs> they're gonna come here, they're gonna shoot us with those lasery thingies and those bitey thingies and those prickly ones that go in your belly button. And my belly button was one of my top five favorite organs. Hey, 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 at least they're not gonna hurt any cars, huh? I'll go get you another beer, how about that? I was hoping I could depict a different narrative than my last film. But I guess you can't be too stubborn in a documentary. Dr. Alex Simpson. Clearly, these young apes find this whole ordeal humorous and are mocking me with their face water. 
It would seem like the army will unfortunately have to use the same unsavory but necessary methods as those uncooperative whales. No, it's... It's just that their juvenile brains are too stupid to comprehend the magnificence of this proposal. Allow me one moment to explain it to them. Boys, yeah, I also saw the gruesome capability of our finned friends here. But you know what else I saw? I saw technology that verged on magic. I saw cities that spanned the ocean. I saw unlimited clean energy. Didn't you see these things too? Yeah, I guess some of that tech was pretty cool. Yes, they were cool. And they're trying to help break us out of our petty squabbles and advance us to the same level. But how do you know he's not just going to put the prickly thing in my belly button anyway? These incredible creatures are far more intelligent than me and you. If they say something is to our advantage, then it must be true. Easy beer, mate. But how do we know you're so smart? Like, how much is your IQ? Give me like a solid figure here. Um, three, three hundred. Uh, yeah, that checks out. Do we still get to be in the movie? That's no guarantee. It is a documentary after all. But if you have the appropriate expressions, maybe I'll throw you two into a scene. Okay, you've convinced us. What do we have to do? To bring forth your liberation and 15 squads of highly armed and agile Dolphin Reef Liberation Army soldiers. All you need to do is break the seal to the projector by exposing it to the lifeblood of water. Uh, look, mate, I've only got this beer to pour on it, so here goes nothing. Oh shit, I forgot that was the fancy beer. How much are you willing to sacrifice for what's right? So you want me to float about while these poor humans suffer? Is that what you want? Yes. I want you to think about this family for once. Too bad, doll. My mama taught me never to be shellfish. The war to save a species in hologram theaters now. Oh my god, there's so many of them! So, you'll want to garnish that with a pinch of human hair flakes. No, not my belly button! No, my belly button! At least I don't put food down the same hole I breathe through. What just happened? Uh, you wasted a bunch of the fancy beer, is what happened. So, was that all a dream? Was it all just a hallucin- Nope, my belly button's gone, it was real. Yeah, it was real, and uh, I couldn't let the fancy beer go to waste. So, while you guys were getting blasted by dolphins, I grabbed one of our sponsorship straws and slurped up as much of it that pulled on the projector and the table. That's it, mate. By drinking up all the beer off of the projector with the environmentally sustainable green grin straw, you must have dried it up so that everything went back to normal. Tim, to you I say, yippee! Three times. Yippee! Yippee! Yes, indeed. Yippee to Tim. He single-handedly saved humanity from certain annihilation using the environmentally sustainable green grin straws. Where's Dr. Simpson, by the way? Oh, man, she's dead made into Swiss cheese from those lasers. Oh man, that sucks. Who's doing the floors on the cleaning roster this week? Well, I did the bathroom last week, so it's got to be you. 
Yeah, right, you did. There were still blotches and shit from all the hair dye all over the sink. Yeah, which I left there for you to clean. Just because we have a roster doesn't mean you shouldn't clean after yourself. From that yeah, day well, forth, dolphins you, were banned. Climate change was also banned soon after. Fucked, man. Like, yeah, well, I edit this up. anyway. You never edit the podcast. And from then and forevermore, let us call this day Tim Day in remembrance of our saviour, Tim. For him, let us say... Yippee. Three times. Fuck you. I'm not, Three I times. Yippee. Yippee. That movie five stars. <laughs> I gave it four, I you have been fucking Saga idiot. Queen Elizabeth, the second read hundred. The, our, read Thank our podcast Thank you for listening. For read our podcast. That story was produced by Seppa Jamshidi Fard, with supervising production from me. I'm Danny Stewart, and you're listening to All the Best. All the Best is a great place to learn the art of audio storytelling. Never made a story before? No problem. No experience is required. If you'd like to make a story for the show, get in touch. Visit allthebestradio.com pitch. In our final story, a dual fighter begins to question their role in the fatal petty politics of a dystopic corporatized city. The haze of the city descends seemingly through the paved rooftops. Deeper and deeper, it languidly lies amongst the high-rise lanes. The gridwork river pulses like a lattice of light and sound. It is hard to imagine a time when the city was anything else but this fog-marred complex. The idea that it might have once been frontier is all but erased from the streetscape. Though if you walk ten leagues in any direction, you could find one. They call it centre. Within the paradigm of day's inebriation, you cast judgement on the streets below. Your drunken eagle eyes assess a vast scape of suburbia, writhing beneath its weight and tension. Synthetic lights of the early morning sparkle like stars in flight, their radiance so pretentious in a city of darkness. It is all a satisfying comparison. It is all ultimately fabricated. Eagles look to the sky. Vultures cast their gaze down. It is time to go, Iota. The voice of B buzzes from deep within your brain, knocking you from your reveries. The whirring in your mind pulses once more with a vengeance. It prevents you from ignoring it any longer. Oh, I'm in no state to be going anywhere, B. Awkward silence falls upon the vacant space in your head. You are familiar with this absence of sound as the android attempts to rationalise your response. You exhale vehemently. Not an adequate excuse, Iota. You are duty-bound. You retreat from the window precariously. You swivel about face violently as you whip a hat from the bedside table. It falls comfortable onto your dome of ragged hair, its brim hiding your eyes beneath its shadow. It is an antique you used to associate with the bygone valour of a long-lost age. You cough to expel the sentimentality. Your eyes go to the holstered pistol next to where the hat had been, and you pause briefly. It feels heavy as you hoist it audibly from the bench. You strap the weapon to your belt vigorously as you leave the apartment, hoping the strong act will bestow upon you some much-needed verve.
It is no secret that Center is a city of opportunity. Over a decade of prosperity has brought people from across the galaxy, mostly with the intent of capitalizing on profit. You are one such vulture. The town square bustles around you with an electric hum. Almost everything in this city depends upon a power supply of some kind. It is a stark contrast to the frontier. Thousands wander about you, silently occupying private space as they walk. A city of singular purpose and extraordinary isolation. You chuckle sardonically at a profound musing. A million people, not a soul in sight. From the crowd, B identifies the figure of a woman approaching you, alerting you with a buzz. You can feel her gaze upon you as she struts. B. Analyze. There's the device of the client's family. Hands worn. Eyes tired. Diet. Adequate. Works in servitude of client. Shall I go on? That will be all, thanks. Ah, you must be the jewel hunter. Your mouth opens gawkily before you respond. You have the stolid brain befitting a city vulture. Maybe. It's an unintentional reply, though it could be the truth. Her brown eyes cut you down to size. Enough bullshit. You got work to do. The fire in her voice might scold you, if you were sober. You nod. It's easier and quicker than talking. Follow me, Hunter. It does not strike you as strange that the jewel should be held on the edge of town, where things are easily forgotten, or easily disposed of. The trade, though amoral, has been incredibly lucrative to you. It provides access to many luxuries, including those now inhibiting your senses. The woman who collected you is a lackey, naturally. When you eventually meet the client, you decide him to be a pompous prick. He is dressed like a smug bastard, the kind of man that buys a different suit every day, using crooked cash. He also seems familiar with the process of buying a jewel hunter. B's analysis of his hands informs you that he has never done any serious manual labour. He is the falconer to your one-man flock. He bores you with irrelevant and menial details regarding the nature of his dispute. The best part about your current headache is it provides something else to focus on. He eventually captures your attention. Listen here, Iota. Don't bloody lose, otherwise... I'll be dead. You cut your client off. He looks you up and down as you hide behind the brim of your hat. Don't lose. It is an imperative statement this time. The other contestant approaches alongside a client who looks just as conceited as yours. The challenger is young and supple, not laboured by his age. The holstered pistol by his side is the reliable option you once trusted. His head is crowned in a hat brimmed at the front and back. Yet another artiste in the contrived artwork that is centre. The pity that falls over you is unapologetic. The challenger possesses a gift that you wish you could have again. And he certainly looks the part of duelist. But it won't be enough to stop you. You could win the battle with blindfolds and earmuffs on. This is probably his first high-paying job. Jewel hunting is, so often, a trade of firsts and lasts. The clients look at each other with an entitled level of contempt. They each order a lackey forward. The woman who brought you steps into the open to negotiate with the opposing henchman. In the centre of the two parties, they meet, followed by a brief discussion, then withdrawal. 
Ah, it is the will of both parties that each jewel hunter fight until the other is dead. Set your weapons to kill. She makes a good commentator, you muse. You flick a switch on your pistol. As if it could be any other way, you think. The space between you and the other duelist is flat, with minimal cover and minimal distractions. Clean conditions, and as perfect for a beginner as could be. It will not deter you, however. You have a steady hand, be it sober or stoned. Your fingers twitch above the holster of your pistol as the countdown begins from ten. You feel the butterflies dancing around at the top of your stomach as a candy rush of adrenaline raises your senses from slumberous stupor. Three, two, one, jewel! You leap forward, drawing the pistol out of its holster, adopting a tucked position as you roll. Jolts of energy singe black holes in the cement behind you. Damn, he's a quick draw. You dart up from the ground, scarcely avoiding the next shot, which tears a hole in the brim of your hat like cheese. But it does not stop there. A peppering of energy lights up the ground beneath your feet and you duck and weave with all the epinephrine you have. One shot sears a graze along the top of your shoulder, cauterizing the flesh beneath your leather tabard. I've misjudged him. The energy in you swells to a pinnacle. Your drug-riddled body fights the injection of natural stimulant. You can feel your heart fatiguing as your limbs become heavy, the weight of such vigorous defence cascading down on you. Death is not the outcome you had planned for. You sing a silent praise as his magazine runs dry. B erupts with a pulse inside your skull to notify you. With a stabilising roll, you level your pistol in his direction, unleashing a single shot. A web-like flare of plasma erupts from the end of your pistol. It grows as it approaches your counterpart, engulfing him in a tangled net of energy. He falls silently to the ground, almost as if he had never woken up this morning. The plasma dissipates as he is effectively put back to sleep. You stand. I told you to set your weapon to kill. The woman behind you falsifies her rage. I knew I forgot something. The lie is so thick on your voice you can hear it yourself. Iota. The client names you passively. This was not our deal. You stop, turning to look at him. You flip the hat from your head, inspecting the hole in the brim. You deal in death, as if it were a currency. I'm not dying for you any longer. The words feel good as they slide off your tongue. That is the responsibility of the entrepreneur. No individual is bigger than this city. We all play a part, so long as we reside in centre. You have simply forgotten what yours is. The client's educated accent reverberates within your skull. The sound of a man who is already dead on the inside. You cock the barrel and flick the switch of the weapon in your hands, unleashing a bolt of concentrated energy through the client's suit. He barely gasps as he drops to his knees. Consider the dispute resolved. The woman looks at the pistol in your hands, and you imagine the smoke rising from the end of the barrel. She bows her head. Turning away from centre to the frontier, you begin to walk. The hat in your hands feels heavy as you clasp to its brim. It slides from your steady grip, crashing into the concrete ground. For the first time you can remember, you cast your gaze to the sky.
That story was produced by Benjamin Kirkham. Mel Chun was the supervising producer. All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with Sin and 3RRR on Murundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonarong lands and ACCC on Arunda and Warramungu lands. The All The Best editorial manager is Mel Chun. Timothy Nguyen is our social media producer and Lydia Yosefova is our community and events coordinator. Shining Bird composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and we're made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find out more at CBF. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.